Blog Talk Radio. You can see it. You ever, you ever have this happen? This is how confusing it is. This, this is the practical application of what I'm talking about. Like a guy be out, just having a good lot, guys. You be out at clubs, it's all right. You're just kicking with your boys. And, and a girl walks by, and, and man, she looks good. She looks good. Not good in that classical way. I mean, you know, I'm talking good. Like, she got half her ass hanging out her skirt. Mm. Her titties are all mashed together, <laughs> popping out the top of her turtleneck and shit. And you with your buddies, right? You with your buddies, you got a couple of drinks in you. And you see a girl like this, you might try to talk to her. This might not come out right now. I don't know what you say, but <laughs> Damn, look at them pity! <laughs> the girl gets mad at you. Oh, uh-uh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just because I'm dressed this way does not make me a whore. Which is true. Gentlemen, that is true. Just because they dress a certain way doesn't mean they are a certain way. Don't ever forget it. But ladies, you must understand that that is fucking confusing. <laughs> just is. Now that would be like me, Dave Chappelle the comedian, walking around the streets in a cop uniform. Somebody might run up on me. Oh, thank God. Officer, help us. Come on, they're over here. Help us. I'm like, oh. Just because I'm dressed this way <laughs> does not make me a police officer. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, all right, ladies, fine. Fine. You are not a whore. But you are wearing a whore's uniform. I'll tell you that for a You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro-Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl B. Mind expansion engaged. supposed to be some kind of almost it's it, uh, uh, their own grindhouse grindhouse matchup with 
Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. Wasn't that supposed to actually go down? i got to check into that, folks. Anyway, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. The call-in number, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. As always, feel free to call in with your questions, your protestations, your thought patterns. does not matter to us. We can mix it up with the best of them. Folks, um, two hours, a lot to get through, a lot of blackness to discuss. Yes, at Afro Radio, we we do discuss blackness because, well, it appears to be in the air. POTUS, President of the United States, President Obama, got into it at our friend Bison's alma mater, Howard University, discussing blackness. And for some reason, a African-American president discussing blackness is weird or not desirable in some circles anyways. Anyway, we'll talk about that. And even in, and yet more, allegedly, West Point cadets, female cadets, raised the power fist, and that causes a hullabaloo. Anyway... Let's raise our freak flag high here at AfroNerd. Of course, we give you the very best of urban alternative groove, black rock, psychedelic soul, Afro-punk. This is one of my favorite female singers, Chaka Khan and Soul Live, back again. Let's get to it. Let's groove. Finally stops that 
I give you a full blast once again. The mighty Chaka Khan with Soul Live back again. And guess what? We're back again. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. Captain, you're needed in engineering. Let's get to it. Hold on, Afro Nerd. I have people hitting me saying that they can't hear us. I don't know if that's the case, oh. but. <clears throat> Uh, they need to reboot. Folks, can you hear us? Uh, this is all we need, Cap. See if anybody in the chat room responds. Yeah, there's people logging in. This, this has to be a blog talk issue. Uh, let's see. Folks, can you can you hear me? Okay. Uh Okay, you know, we have a caller. Let's go to the call. Only be, well, okay. usually I wouldn't take a call this early, but we got to find out if we can be heard. 407, welcome to the midweek. First up, can you hear us? I can hear you now, and that's the main reason I just touched in. I was listening. Uh, comment later. Okay, okay. So you, can, you can hear us. Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, terrific. Uh, so you want to hold on for a question? Well, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little later. I okay, was, we'll keep you on hold. Tuning in. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. We'll we'll keep you on hold, and uh, we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the program. All right, folks. If you're having problems problems uh, hearing us, just simply reboot. I'm going to put reboot in the chat room, uh, or re- refresh, as to say. Refresh if you can't hear us. Block talk is at it again. Cap. All right. I'm assuming they can hear us. The gentleman said he could hear us. Uh, and again, the call-in number, we are live. This is not Memorex. 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. You know, before we get into this whole blackness discussion, and we go into it from time to time, time to time. You're breaking but up, I do feel, right? <laughs> uh, Really? 
<laughs> okay. Can you hear me now? Still? It's, I hear you, but it's like choppy. Maybe it's just me. Uh, I don't get. Oh. I don't hear. I hear you fine. Okay. All right. You know what? Let me um, let me go to another crew for like a minute. Yeah. And I'll try to log back on in. Uh, maybe it just might be a bad connection. Uh, these things happen. Um, all right. Uh, another group, folks, for about a minute. Uh, this is, I want to eat you up by Sabata, true Afropunk. We'll give it about a minute and a half while I reboot our systems and hopefully you can hear us. Uh, let's get to it. <laughs> this again. Cap, can you hear me? Am I coming in loud and clear? Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, you sound good. Go ahead. Go right into it. All right. All right. Folks, um, briefly, I want to go go into a quick rant, and then we'll get to the topics. I got a call from Captain Kirk's predecessor, Mr. Starks, a.k.a. Iron Man. And uh, if you're not in the know, I've mentioned that he's a school, a middle school administrator in the Long Island area. Long Island, New York, and he calls me up quite frequently, not only because we've had a long, a long time friendship. I don't even remember when I first met Mr. Starks because I've known him essentially since kindergarten. So uh, he calls me up per usual, thinking about an altercation that, that occurred, uh, actually not with his school that he's in charge of, but the school that his son attends. So he says, uh, essentially, without going through a, a whole bunch of miasma, what he says uh, is that he notices that there's a young man of Latin, Latin extraction who appears to be a parent, probably a millennial, who is making violent gestures at the school. He didn't know what the circumstances were. All he knew is that this young man was upset and that he gave some kind of gesture that he's seen young black and brown men give with the pointing of a finger and the waving of the arm as if he were to have as if he was threatening to spray up the building. 
spray up with some kind of weaponry. Now, you know, these, these situations have to be taken seriously, so you would think, so you would think. We're, we're at a time now where these threats just aren't that empty. So this happens, I believe, a few days ago, and Mr. Starks is, tell, is led to believe that because of this young man's gesture, someone would do something, there would be some protocols put into place, something would go down. This is a, this is a majority black-brown institution with educators also of varied, varied ethnicities. I would suspect that the, the, the teachers are probably uh, multiracial, but there's a fair share of white teachers, but overwhelmingly a black administration. So he, he, he goes back to the school, and he revisits this situation that he witnessed with this young man. And the folks that he's, that he's speaking to, again, majority black people, administrators, educated people, in quotes, it's as if he's speaking a different language. Now, you know, he was, he's one of the honor guard from the Afro-Nerd machinery. So um, he even said that he employed some Afro-Nerd tactics in the conversation. And I, I told you this before, I think the last show, Captain, that when, I, when I'm speaking to just regular folk or if I'm engaging other broadcasters, let's say on satellite radio or on terrestrial radio, the way that we speak – and I suspect even the way that some of our stalwart listenership speak, he might as well be in Mandarin with some of our quote-unquote own kind. It might as well be in Mandarin. What am I getting to? When he's, when he's having this, this, this conversation with his administrator and telling, telling her, listen, you need to contact the police, the authorities. There needs to be some things set up. This young man has to be contacted. Something has to go down. And they were like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 I guess we're going to have to. Like, they, they were scrambling as if what he was saying was a new thought. So why am I bringing this up? For several reasons. It, it, it's interconnected. One, uh, in this particular community, obviously, just as there are black folks that can't be perceived as a monolith, there are Latin folk that cannot be perceived as a monolith. No one should be able to be perceived as a monolith. But there's a, a, a faction of folks from uh, El Salvador who are recent immigrants, some of them, not all, some, not all, a fraction, let's say, may have racial tendencies toward black people, preconceived notions toward black people. We hear that on the left coast there are issues with black and brown people where, where there are many coalitions for obvious reasons um, inter, uh, nationally and even internationally. Let's say nationally there are issues in pockets which you know just dumbfounds me and it, it, it irritates me actually. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is that some, some of those folks – not realizing because they're new immigrants, that they're uneducated or undereducated, they think that they think of black folks 
from the low low hanging fruit type of situation that um Dr. King wasn't important. I can go into that in some, some other day, but Dr. King isn't important. Their children don't have to do reports on Dr. King. Uh, things I'm hearing from Mr. Starks and from his family, who are also educators in the system. We, parents are coming up saying, we don't want our children to associate with the quote-unquote dark ones. All kinds of disheartening things, as if, as if their, their ascension in this culture is by happenstance that I always liken black people to be in the canaries in the coal mine, where if you want to make sure that there's air in a coal mine, the trope is you send a, you send a bird in there, and if, if that bird survives, that means there's air, there's, there's air in the coal mine. The fact that you have a black president means you, could, you will have a woman president or a, a uh, Hispanic president and so forth. And we, we hope to see that. Hell, it's, it's potential that um, Hillary Clinton, Secretary Clinton, that her running mate could be of Latin extraction, and we would all applaud that. But it's very disheartening to hear these stories with this attitude that black folks don't, don't count, that black folks didn't um, initiate some of the, the, the groundwork that, other minorities are able to imbibe in because of the sacrifice that black people made. So anyway, this is kind of a, a mixed-up story. I'm going in different directions with the same thing. Not only am I dealing with that element, with the black-brown situation, which, again, I don't acknowledge it personally because if you know the politics of this country um, – it's a wasted effort. But there's a second part of it with the lack of preparedness of these black folk that when this person puts out, because you have, you have a heavy gang presence, both black and brown, in these communities in Long Island. And for this young man to make a threat and for no one to react to it and that for Mr. Starks to have to, because he's a concerned parent, and he's going to do whatever he needs to do, whatever he needs to do to ensure his child's safety, his son's safety. It, it boggles the mind that these, these black administrators are tap dancing, not reacting, or being, I shouldn't even say reacting, not being proactive. Reacting is, is what we do well. We react well. We, don't, we do not do the proactive thing very well. And that might be even cross-racially. That might even be cross-culturally. In the Americas, we seem not to be as proactive as other, other nation states. I mean, I'm just putting it out there. But I, I'm speaking more um, closely with people of color, black people specifically. I would not take this young man waving a gun or an a air pistol in a – middle school, I wouldn't take that as something that's just, oh, he's just joking. Not in this day and age, no. No, sorry, no, I would not do that. Um, and I want, to make, I want to make another point, and then we're going to move along, and also we have callers coming through. I also want to make another point that's also kind of connected. Again, with this preparedness issue, Captain. 
Donald Trump could be this could be the president. Stranger things have happened, and it's it's again maddening to hear podcasters, other broadcasters that have their audiences, especially black audiences, so riled up. We're always putting this in, and I'm speaking more uh, tribally. All of us are supposed to be riled up that if this man becomes president, the world's coming to an end, the world's going to crack in half. And I said this before in, in other podcasts, other shows, Captain, that he will not be the first or last crazy white male to hold the office of the presidency. LBJ, you know, he, he put some legislation through, historic legislation that was very uh, advantageous toward, toward people of color, obviously. The Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act. And this guy was, if you heard him speak privately, it was inward this, inward that all day long. You can go to YouTube and, and listen to some of the private conversations with Lyndon Baines Johnson. You can, you can go to YouTube and listen to some of the private conversations of Richard Milhouse Nixon. He was equally, if not more crazy than even LBJ. But he extended affirmative, affirmative action in the early 70s. A Republican, no less. So if Donald Trump becomes, were to become president, and I don't know if that's really going to be the deal, but if it were to happen, you still have to be prepared. I see other folks. You don't think that these high-performing West Africans, do you think they actually care about this kind of stuff? Not saying they don't, but it appears that they're more concerned about getting that engineering degree, that they're more concerned about employment and, and, and entrepreneurship and, and access. African immigrants, Asian immigrants, uh, Caribbean folk, uh, high-performing uh, African Americans. There are people that are just about moving forward. They're not concerned about this thing. What's going to happen is going to happen, but you need to be better prepared. Because some of these other folks, if you notice, they, whatever, whichever way the wind blows, they're going to deal. They're going to deal. But they, they, they hear the frenzy in some of, these, the, in some of the, the voices with these folks that, oh, my God, we've got to stop this. We don't know what to do. Politics should not be your only foray to success. And I think we've been going in this direction for such a long time that politics is the sole way for advancement. Um, there's a clip that's on YouTube by Dr. Thomas Sowell. I know it's, you know, it's unfavorable to, to listen to black conservatives. I mean, that's another thing, too. You know, we're, we're, treated, we're treated like sheep. We're treated like we, you know, our, our belief systems have to be funneled into a one-way kind of mindset. We can't even listen to the Dr. John McWhorters and the Glenn Lowry's. And I'm not even saying you have to agree with them or agree with me, but you should be allowed to hear from them and then maybe develop a, a, more, a more contoured perspective. But, you know, the black package that I made reference to uh, with, my con with my conversation with uh, Joe Madison on SiriusXM he didn't know what a black package was. When I said the packaging of blackness, what's that? What are you talking about? These words you're making up. These words you're making What is that? Anyone, anyone with a sense understands that it's easier to deal with people 
if you think of them in a singular mode. It's easier. It's easier to deal with, with Latin folk if you fail to realize that you have Costa Ricans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Mexicans, and so forth. But, you know, to, make, to be easy, we're all the same. But Thomas, Dr. Sowell talked about this, Cap, where he said that there really isn't any evidence of financial mobility through politics. But black people especially, voting, all of us voting, in, voting as Democrats, not actually uh, negotiating that vote, not negotiating that vote, but whichever, way the, but whichever way the Democrats are going to go, you are going to go without even really any thinking, any kind of negotiating your vote from the left or the right or in between. There's no discussion. There's no strategy. None of that enters, enters the equation. We see that Hillary Clinton appears to be the, the, the front runner. Obviously, she will probably be uh, the Democratic, Democratic choice. And I see that a, a large amount of black folk are just going to fall in line. No negotiating that vote, just, just under the assumption. And she would assume correctly. You know, when Charlemagne the God, the DJ at 105.1, when he talked about that whole hot sauce in the pocket thing, and he kind of joked with her about, you know, that she's – had this thing that just I think it's really been on record that she has had this it's not like a first time thing but obviously it sort of kind of appeals to people of color specifically black people the hot sauce in the pocket thing stuff it's it's appealing that when he made note of it and she to her and said well you know black folks are going to say you're pandering and she says is it working <laughs> is it working anyway cap any thoughts and then we will go to the phones, and we'll go into Obama at Howard University. Well, it's real simple. Donald Trump, if he wins the presidency, is how many people he can kick out. If Hillary Clinton is how many people she can let in. All the orders come from London, but the problem is they're not really listening to London anymore. So it'll be real interesting regardless whoever wins. So either way, you still have to do what you have to do. You have to get up and go to work, black man. There you go. Yeah. Why does everybody else get this message? The, the 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 frenzy and the fright. Because the bottom line, I would not want to I would not want to live my life with such a degree of a lack of control. In other words, like if this man becomes president, that's the end of the world. Like we, one person having that much power, and you can't conduct your own personal affairs. I don't even know how how much of what happens with the presidency affects the common man. I don't know how much of it affects the common man. I mean, you need to have a plan. And I don't hear any discussions of a strategy with with us. It's always the frenzy, the scrambling, and and we have to to rush to Hillary Clinton's side when what we really should be doing is negotiating with both people to say, listen, you can get our vote, but you you need to do X, Y, and Z. I don't hear any of that kind of discussion. Just like, just like Mr. Stark's son's school, that when this young man waves a faux gun, no one reacts to that. 
No one, no one's, you know, we, we, now you're scrambling when someone tells you, listen, you might want to do something, get the authorities involved because he made this threat. We, we shouldn't really, but that lack of a strategy, we just let things, we just let things happen. Who cares what, who cares what this young man w- would do if you're prepared for him? Going back to Donald Trump, who cares who's in office if you're prepared? Again, that Nigerian, the second one in a local school within two or three years, which cannot be so coincidental, uh, the, 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 the child of Nigerian immigrants who was accepted to every Ivy League school and other schools of that caliber from a, from a, from a high school that really isn't known for high-performing students per se, maybe now, but these people come prepared. Anyway, let's go to the phones, and then we're going to go to a groove, and then we'll get back to uh, the topics, one of which would, of course, be President Obama at Howard University and how that caused a hullabaloo. My dear friend, Nemesis, I see he's in full effect. I'm pretty sure he has uh, opinions on this, uh, part of the law enforcement community. Yeah. Nemesis. Yeah, well, what's going on? What's going on to everybody? The captain in the queue? (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, just, <laughs> What's up, man? Exactly is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you covered a lot of territory in 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 the, in the, in the time that I I uh, signed on and started listening to you tonight. And uh, the problem with any of the candidates uh, communicating with the black community, or or the community other than white, let's put it that way, who do they talk to? You know what I'm saying? Who who is our spokesperson? And 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 I know there's some obvious names that come to, to mind. I don't want to mention those names because they don't represent me. And I know they don't. It's an outrage. Me. It's an outrage. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> You're breaking my thought over my train of thought. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Yeah, you know, again, like uh, the captain said, at the end of the day, you still got to go to work and do your thing. Um, how how does the presidency uh, affect the common man? Well, just like the CAO of any company, his mandates work their way down to the bottom, and usually the people on the bottom get the raw deal. So when when a president en- enacts whatever he enacts or changes something or whatever you want to say, it eventually comes down to us and affects us. It affects us in the pocket. Uh, it affects us in some of our freedoms. You know, some of uh, freedoms meaning things. That people, uh, I'm going to namely speak for one, the Second Amendment. Uh, and if those are not really up to date with what the Second Amendment is, it's basically the right to keep their arms. I'm not going to discuss uh, the wherefores as to about a militia and all of that, but um, that's how it trickles down. Uh, the, po- the politics, the, the, the changing of, of laws and so forth and so on, that's how it, it affects our daily lives. You know, limitations. You know, I had an epiphany the other day, and I was thinking to myself, how many, you know, it, of course it's business, but how many laws need to be written? It's like they're in the business of, of writing laws and passing, you know, uh, laws. And I'm thinking to myself, a lot of these things are, are uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they're overdone. Arbitrary. You know, the, the, yeah, arbitrary, uh, redundant. Redundant, that's the word. I'm like, really? 
you know, like just for example, when they talk about hate crimes, whether it be race related or or, or gender related, uh, or you know, alternate lifestyle related, it doesn't change the fact that it's still a crime. The motive behind the crime should really make have no bearing on the fact that somebody either committed murder or, or assault or whatever it is. And I know I'm going off on a tangent. There's a lot of different things you were talking about, so I'm kind of just like networking my way through different things that you touched upon. But um, this presidency that we're going through right now, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the election process and, and, and getting the candidates you know, nominated and so forth, uh, in my lifetime I don't remember anything so, uh, how should I say, Grandiose, you know. There's a lot at stake here. There's been a lot of upsets. Um, I'm not going to talk about my political affiliations, but I'm just going to mention something about uh, Trump. From day one, everybody, you know, when I say everybody, I'm talking about the analysts, you know, the, the political pundits, all these people that that have their say and put their information out into the media. They said repeatedly, he's not going to make it this far. This, that, and the other thing. And repeatedly, he's proven them wrong. Hillary's gearing up for a, a personal assault. Okay, Trump is a chess player. He's not only thought five moves ahead; he's playing ten different games at once. So for for her or anybody in her camp to think that he's that, how should I say, limited? She's she's in for a rude awakening. Uh, as far as Obama and Howard University, if, if you wouldn't mind bringing me up to speed and some of your listeners, because I'm really, I haven't been paying attention to the media too much lately. I'll tell you what, I, I want to keep you on a hold. We're going to get to that after the break. Um, I do want to talk about it. It's pretty interesting. And we can go into it in, in depth. Um, I'm going to play a clip. So, uh, Nemesis, hold on. We're going to go to a groove. Yeah. And then we're going to come back to the topic. So hold on one second. Uh, callers. Uh-oh. Sorry about that. I'm, repeat I that. I said, are you going to put on some Rush? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't no, have no, any Rush. But, you know, hey, um, you we'll get to that. We'll get to a, a groove in a moment. Um, hold on, Nemesis. Uh, folks, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. And don't you forget... The number, as always, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Um, I think, Cap, should I go to the Purple Room? No, you know what? You're no. Ne- you're never wrong. You know, you're never wrong when you go to the Purple Room. You're never wrong. Afro All right. <laughs> All right. Because, because, because the royal, his royal banners has left the building, which I, I'm still – I think a lot of people, you know, we're still talking about this. A lot of people just kind of were thrown through uh, for a loop that we were expecting this guy to stick around for the long haul. But it goes, goes to show you that nothing is guaranteed. Anyway, uh, Proper Room is an official segment where at this point now, because, you know, and the nemesis knows this, I've been a longtime supporter of his royal badness. So uh, we're going to be playing his music, I guess, for the duration of our podcast, but it's going to be a specific segment and it's called the proper rooms. Anyway, this is a live cut, blues cut called The Ride. The Ride. Prince, we'll be right back, give you a few minutes, and then we'll get to President Obama at Howard University. Hold on. Stay here, brother. 
Sing it, brother. Move y'all.
graduates at Howard University. Uh, the storied Howard University, which could have easily been uh, my alma mater, I know that would have made uh, Bison, our supporter, very pr- proud, hence his name being Bison. Bison is uh, representative of, of the, their sports team over there. But I chose to be a Hamptonian, proudly. Anyway, he delivered a his commissioner address at Howard University, and it caused somewhat of a stir because he used the term blackness, affirming one's blackness or being confident in one's blackness. But, you know, it, it would... I I find it odd that a man of color who uh, is delivering – who is the president and delivering a commissioner address at a black, predominantly black university, how he can't go into that. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pick it apart. We'll analyze this. Let me go to this, uh, this clip. This is from the usual suspects. Now, you know, listen, I am a conservative, but I'm, I'm my kind of conservative, meaning that – we're all not the same. We can still analyze stuff. It's not always about towing the party line completely. And I'm really no fan of Fox, as I am no real fan of CNN or MSNBC. Clearly, you can see the bents with these outlets. I would, just want, I would want my news straight with no chaser. Just give it to me straight down the line. Not the case, whether it's Fox or whether, it's, whether these, these other quote-unquote liberal outlets. Anyway... Let's go to Tucker Carlson at Fox to give his assessment or critique of POTUS discussing blackness. Hold on. See, here's the part of the speech that got no attention, but I really was struck by it. Here, the president was speaking at Howard, um, the country's most august and famous and storied uh, majority black university. Here's what he said. Watch. My generation, like all generations, is too confined by our own experience, too invested in our own biases, too stuck in our ways. Be confident in your heritage. Be confident in your blackness. See, this this is divisive. If Mitt Romney had won and in the last year of his presidency went to BYU and said, be confident in your whiteness, people would say, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you making this a rate? Why are you encouraging people to think in terms of their race? Isn't that inherently divisive? Shouldn't people think in terms of their Americanness, in terms of the qualities that unite us all, not in terms of their immutable characteristics? Would Martin Luther King have said that? I don't think so. You also wonder how many other people were in that crowd that are white or of a different background saying, well, what about me? Yeah, and also what what does that mean? I mean, let's be specific. I mean, and also maybe that's one of the reasons race relations, the one good thing about Obama was he was going to bring the country together, atone for its sins. We could become a little bit past that, and the opposite has happened. I wonder why. Mm. A post-racial president. That's depressing. Let us know. All right. Uh, Oh, boy. Let me bring back uh, Nemesis back into the fold. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it gives me a headache sometimes to listen to this. Um, okay, let, 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 let's go to the captain first, and then we'll just go around the horn. Um, we're all being played for suckers ultimately, but you know, I know when someone's trying to put on a good show, this is this is actually quite laughable. But uh, Cap, what are your thoughts about Tucker Carlson's assertions that you know Mitt Romney has issues with his whiteness, so therefore he must, you know, because they're because the man's got him down. He's having problems, problems 
expressing his whiteness, because we know how difficult that can be, expressing your whiteness. So if you can't express your whiteness, maybe he should be able to say, be confident in your whiteness at, you know, some white school at, at Harvard's commencement address. Maybe he's got a point. Well, 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 I don't see it like that. That's the way I see it. I see this as fairness being the illusion of the weak to protect them from the strong to no avail. When you have power, you do what you want. Now, in a multicultural society, everybody's self-important. Multiculturalism, at how people want it to be, is actually a farce. And if it wasn't a farce, you wouldn't be so concerned with, let's say, black people the imagery of Black Panther. You would just see him as a human being. It wouldn't matter. But your self-importance, it does matter. Luke Cage does matter. Falcon does matter. The Latin guy, it does matter. But what the white guy puts on the screen, it does matter because we're all self-important. And that's the reality of it. You're self-important. So when you put all these self-important cultures, races, hues together, you have to stand up from time to time. And it's going to offend someone else who has the power. In a European society, that's really what this is, the white people do have the power. So anytime the black man turns around and puts a little swagger, puts a little emphasis, it's not about being fair, what happened to black people, that, you know, and the white man doesn't have to do that. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You want multiculturalism, you have to be nebulous, you have to be vague across the board, and you can't be nebulous and you can't be vague because we're self-important pricks. As human beings, the Asian man wants to see. Look what's going on with um, with Doctor Strange now. You know, Asian people say, "Hey, how come you switched up the character?" Everyone's self-important. If we were really so much of a humanitarian, if we were really so much of a super liberal, none of it would matter. We'd just be a human being. But it does matter because we're self-important pricks. So, but from the top down, they're pushing that we're supposed to be all nebulous and vague even killed across the board. That's BS. We're not. And that being said, the European society does have the power. So any little, which we'll get into a little bit later, pumping your fist or saying something like this, it offends certain people. You know, if it was Latin people that said it, it would offend other people too, you know. And God forbid if it was a white person, it would offend everybody else. And, yes, white people don't have to do it because this is their whole land and everything else. We know that to be true. But that's just the point is when you put cultures together, different cultures together, there's always going to be some kind of flair. And I'm not here to say whether it's right or it's wrong or whether it's water underneath the table. I'm just telling you this is why it happens. Back over to you, Afro Nerd. All right. Um, let me get into this, and I'll pass the mic around. Um, well, first of all, I think this is just a game on the part of Tucker Carlson and Fox. If we're going to get into the base of like why this is happening, um, he knows his audience, and this is purely to get a rise out of the audience and to kind of keep the business model going, if we're going to be absolutely honest. I don't know how ignorant Tucker Carlson really is when it comes down to how this plays itself out. Uh, I can't take Fox News seriously when – it doesn't at least abide by the broken by, by our broken clock theory. What does the broken clock mean? The broken clock means that a broken clock tells the correct time at least twice a day. A broken clock tells the correct time at least twice a day, which means that President Obama, if he's the worst president, 
that's really up for debate. But people are, people will will put that out as, as a message anyway. And I'm saying that from a conservative conservative perspective. But I'm also I also have to be honest. There are indexes out here right now that, on paper, President Obama has actually performed quite admirably, considering what he inherited. But that's not being on message for from the from the Fox News Channel ideology for the for the ideologues. They got to be on message. So the reality is that being a white person and white culture is so ethereal and so matter of factly that they've they've never had to be called into question in regards to their to ethnicity or culture. It just is. Uh, our 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 partner on on this show, a young woman of Asian descent, Claire Lene, uh, she put out there, which I'm now I've co-opted as part of our own personal um, lexicon. She said that whiteness is the default. And I couldn't have said it any any better than that, and that's exactly what it is. And that's the reason why we're going through all these changes that Captain Kirk was referencing as far as multiculturalism and uh, self-importance and the need to see your own image and so forth, uh, that's because what is ethereal, what is the default, is oftentimes white. Even when you have uh, works of fiction, The Hunger Games, and you, saw, and you saw the anger out of The Hunger Games, the first Hunger Games especially, when the author who was being, she was being very, very uh, modern, very progressive. She wrote characters from varied ethnicities and descriptors, tan, brown, dark. So clearly when she had actors to to, to conform to what was written, hence Lenny Kravitz and... uh, uh, the lovely actress, I can't remember her name now, um, Amanda, Amanda Stenberg, uh, actress of color, as they, were, as they were written in The Hunger Games, the white readers, even though it said clearly these people were of color, they were angry because they were in the film as if they weren't written that way. In their minds, because as practice, the default answer is always white. So, of course, a black president uh, going to uh, delivering a, 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 a address at an HBCU to a predominantly black student body, he should have the right to say, to react to, to, to the counter-historical perspective. I mean, the hubris, the hubris of white culture had it where at one time they labeled – Bathrooms. You think you think we're, we're going to talk about the the trans bathroom thing? They don't know the half of it. The the North Carolina North Carolina trans bathroom situation. That's that's those are pikers compared to colored only. And I have signed I have signs that I have as collector's items and as reminders. I have I have colored only signs. You can go to eBay and get these things. That, what kind of hubris is to, would, would, it, would it take for a culture to label something colored and white and never should the twain meet? That's the culture. So we have to – so according to Tucker Carlson, 
all the 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 uh, all the imagery. We have problems with imagery now. We have we have we have menstrual imagery in the 21st century. Imagine what menstrual imagery looked like in the 18th, 19th, and 20th uh, 20th centuries looked like. The caricatures of Jewish people, of of Asian people, of black people. You have the caricatures. You have all these laws, pig laws, sundown laws, Jim Crow, slavery, separate but equal or unequal, apartheid, all that history. And now all this and, and actually the illegality, three fifths human, three fifths human, all that stuff telling you that you don't matter, you don't count. And we're supposed to forget all that and say, "What's the, what? What? What, are they, what? What is he talking about? See, he's, he's playing you. He's playing you. If if Mitt Romney were to say, you know, be confident in your whiteness, Mitt Romney's people were never enslaved. Hell, as much I as much as as much as I I like Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck tried to hide his slave owning history. Tried to hide it. So it's it's a non-issue. It's the obvious. If there were not if there were not a history that predated all of this, then maybe maybe Tucker Carlson would have a have a point. But he's talking about this from a perspective of a false equivalency. There's no equivalency for this thing. There's never been black and white on equal planes. You know, we we were the uh, the servants, the bedwinches. I mean, I didn't go into this. I'm not. This is just a skosh. But he, what he's talking about is absurd. It's absurd. Anyway, my dear friend Nemesis. Yes, sir. What are your thoughts about? What are your thoughts about this Fox situation? I, I, I think they need to have people. I would love for people to kind of. And sometimes Fox get. Listen, I, I just said a broken clock tells the correct time twice a day. As much as I detest Fox on many levels, sometimes they actually get it right. Still, even True. with the, the idiocy from this, that's just, that's just the way things are. But they're disingenuous when they speak about Obama, and he's never right. You, you, no one could be always wrong. So anyway, your thoughts on this? Well, nobody likes taking a dose of their own medicine. Um. It's a, it's a bitter pill to swallow when you have to swallow something that you've been forcing people to deal with for ages. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just, like the captain pointed out, you're just pointing out what it is. People don't like feeling powerless or losing the power, you know, because to, to have no power uh, is, is one thing, and to, to want to get it is, is also one thing. But when you are in a position of power and, and you feel like it's slipping, that's when people act out. And they say and they do things that, that uh, shows their sensitivity or insensitivity, however you want to look at it. Um, again, I think, that, like you had made a comment that, uh, that alludes to the fact that basically he's, he's pandering to his audience. You know, he, there's a segment of his audience that, or probably a large segment of his audience that, that thinks that way. 
and he's only giving them what they want to hear, and so they can sit there and say, yeah, 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 you know, to be, to put it bluntly. Um, but uh, let me tell you something. People like ourselves, people like our parents, and people like our grandparents, we didn't, how should I say, em- embrace all this negativity. We knew there were separations. Hell, my, I even said this a few days ago. My father had so many different friends of different nationalities, but he understood there was a line. And, and he made it clear to me one day when my eyes drifted towards some a young lady of, of uh, other than myself, which is probably 90% of the world, <laughs> you know, as far as uh, her, her race is concerned. He said, listen, you better be careful because if they catch you, they're going to cut parts of your body off. And at the time, I, like, I thought it was just my father's normal humor. And then it sunk in over the years. You know, it's like, oh, I get it. You know, there's a separation. I'm not saying that it's bad or good. It's just the way people view things. And, and, and uh, it's, it's something, hold on a second. It's something that is perpetuated, maintained. That's the better word, maintained, like a structure. You know, when you, when you have a structure that's built a certain way, you keep putting on, things like the roof shingles similar to what was there before. So you can't expect much of a change of the structure. You might see a different style, but it's still the same thing. We, we, as a society, we have a very long way to go. And, and, and the media, which I use it as a source of entertainment primarily, and I have to filter through a lot to really get to just a smidget of meat. Of, of of something concrete, like you said, even a broken clock tells the time twice a day correctly. So I know I, I rambled on a little bit, but that's quite easy to do when you start thinking about such. Uh, and it is a broad topic because there are so many slight variations, um, which a lot of people can't even perceive. But being of who I am, and you know that, that I can kind of see what's going on. I, 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 I sometimes, and I've been told, oh, well, you, you can blend in, you know. I said, yeah, until you get close enough, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, but it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a reality. And, you know, um, I, again, I'm not grandstanding or standing on a soapbox or, or, or crying or anything like that, but sometimes being in the middle sucks. I don't know because this is. Yeah, here's What's a little that? straight Plantation Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Plantation Olympics. Oh no, yeah, here's a little straight. Says, no, oh, no, <laughs> no teasing. <laughs> well, you know, um, you know, the deal is like, and honestly, you know, I, one thing I like about how we were raised, Nemesis, uh, and this yeah. includes also, um, you know, all my all my friends. You know, we did, we deconstructed this a long time ago when we were young. Mm-hmm. You know, we did. We just I, I, we've had friends of all all ethnicities, and uh, we had similar interests, and it never got to be this big of a deal. Matter of fact, I feel like we're actually going backwards in many ways, and I think we some are. of this we is are being orchestrated. You know, and because right. I agree. Uh, I agree with that. I, I don't. I, like all these things, and we and we also dealing with millennials who just got here. So someone who was born in '98. He he just knows from ninety ninety nine to the present, so he, he, she or he, ha, they may have a limited perspective of things, and they are getting they're reacting to microaggressions. 
like stuff that how we first of all we are the we are generation Xers so we 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 came in after all of the the real madness mm-hmm. so I can even say that even our level of exposure to racism is limited so how sure. can the millennials say the millennials are reacting as if they're dealing with what our parents and grandparents had to deal with which was absolute racism when they had to deal True. with uh with secret covenants where you you weren't allowed to to, to purchase a house in certain you know, in certain areas. I mean, Jewish people know mm-hmm. about the the covenants. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of this still kind of exists, still redlining and that kind of thing. But right, because someone calls you a name that you bought that you can hear on wax that you 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 are promoting. Mm-hmm. The, a lot of stuff becomes even more complicated. Uh, Nemesis, hold on. We got more calls coming through. Well, I'm going to keep you the line your mic open. Yeah, but I'm going to go to yeah. other calls. Uh, 312, I think I know who this is. Serge, Mr. Mims. Yeah. Is that you? Yes, it is me. How are you doing? How are you doing? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? Every every time I hear you, man, you sound stronger and stronger. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I wouldn't expect any less. Uh, the, What's the deal? Right. Well, you know, it's funny. You, 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 what you were just talking about, it's something I keep saying to people. What is that? Uh, that's uh, something okay, hold on. Let me put something you on. I keep. I got it. Go ahead. Okay, it's something I keep saying to people all the time. You know, it's um, you think you have it bad now. If I took a millennial and put him in the United States a hundred years ago, he wouldn't survive five minutes. But I don't think any of us would. Five minutes. None of us would. Try being a black man in the South in 1916 in in Georgia, just for a day. You probably wouldn't want to go through that, would you? And it's funny because I saw this. I, I recently saw this documentary about a group of um, uh, black activists who are so sick and tired of the racism they encounter here in the United States that they tr- literally travel the world trying to find a place to live. So they travel to Sweden, to England, to a lot of other places. First of all, where did they get the money to travel around the world like that? I wish I had that kind of money. <laughs> and they travel around trying to see what it's like being a black person in this country. Only discovered a shock. There's racism there, too. Gee, wow. What a shocking discovery. And, but when I looked at the film, I, I can't remember the name of the documentary now, but I look at it and I keep saying to myself, these, these people think it's so bad here now. I don't know how they would have survived in 1916. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They, wouldn't. they, they don't have the knowledge base. That's what's, that's what's really offensive, Sergio, is that when you hear how these young folks talk, they don't seem to have the desire to actually do the history. They, they don't care about the history. And some of them who will, will talk about microaggressions will, in the same breath, talk about uh, Travis Scott, the rap artist, who or they would fail to talk about uh, Travis Scott, the rap artist, who invites a young white audience member to recite the lyrics that have the word nigga in it. So, you know, nigga, nigger, whatever pejorative you choose to use, that was, that was, that was yelled at at, at your ancestors as they were stringing, being strung from a rope in the 40s and the 30s and sometimes 50s. But 
we've we have arrived to such a degree, or these young folks, that they feel comfortable in putting it on wax and and having white people call them that or use it amongst themselves as if it's no big deal, not being respective, re, uh, respectful of that history. I mean, the whole thing is becoming you know, so absurd. We're in a quagmire right now, Serge. Uh, um, another way of saying we're lost. Uh, I've been saying that for yeah. a while. Um, Larry Wilmore, the we comedian, gives a, gives a pound to the president saying, you know, you did it, my nigga, before the yeah, world. You see, I don't understand. you see, now, I don't understand that because I saw it. I saw the thing. I saw Obama and I saw Larry Wilmore. And I thought Larry Woodmore was very funny, and and because like he got booed a lot because he he was attacking the press. They don't like it. They don't like that at that dinner, right? You can attack politicians, but when you attack the press, then all of a sudden they get very upset. But when he said that at the end, I was like, now why would he do that? And if you looked at Obama, he like kind of winced when he did it, and I was like, what was he trying to prove? And the only thing I can think of, I don't know, this may be a stupid idea, but the only thing I can think of is that a lot of black people who become very successful, like Larry Whitmore, they still have this thing, like they still want to prove that they're still black enough. They haven't sold I out. Tell you, I tell you what it is. I, I tell you what it is. You've been listening, listening to our show for years. It's one word. It's called minstrelsy. That's the answer to all of this. It's always minstrelsy. It's a person, he's even though he comes from a somewhat – well, it's true. He comes from a somewhat privileged background. Oh, well, 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 you know, I mean, I, I heard some other, um, some other person on YouTube, and this is what irritates me also. We have a great deal of ageism with these millennial folk that uh, they said, well, he didn't even say it right. You know, he's over 50 years old, so he said uh, – um, uh, keeping it 100, he, well, he should have said 100. Like, in other words, you should have said it. I'm going to talk about this later on. You should have said it with a black, a black scent or a black dialect. So he said he's too old to speak that way, and not only is he too old, but he didn't say 100 correctly. He said 100. He should have said 100. Now these are from <laughs> educated millennials. These are from these are from educated millennial millennial blacks that looked at this in some perverse way. Whereas, first of all, you have, and I know uh, Nemesis, who is a former officer of the peace, you have 70-year-olds that sell drugs. So you can't get into this whole thing about perceiving people because you have, you have 70- and 75-year-olds riding bikes having 25-, 30-year-old girlfriends on the street. But see, this guy, <laughs> and this is, and this is true, the oracle, the oracle, the tangential producer of the show, my father, well, can tell you some of these stories. Older people are not who you think they are, but he weighs in and says that uh, well, he, Larry Wilmore is too old to even speak that way. No, it's not that he's too old. He's too he, he's too much of a minstrel, and he's trying to be edgy for the white man. If I'm going to go there with that, you, that's what happens. Okay, I, I'm yeah, trying to be okay. edgy. Okay, all right. Because when he got the gig. To do the, to do the show, to do the the uh, to do the BDMC. Of course, you know you figure that he's going to do racial humor, right? Um, and there have been black MCs before at the event, right? So it's not a new thing. But you're right, in his quest to be edgy, 
in his quest to be, you know, keep a hundred, he um, he stepped over the line and totally disrespected. I mean, totally disrespected President Obama. And I was like, what? What minstrelsy? I guess so. He really disappointed me because I've seen his show. I like him. I think he's funny. I think a lot of his humor is very clever. But that whole thing really was low blow. And I, I, I have, I have a sneaking suspicion that the very next day he was very embarrassed by it and realized it back, it backfired in his face. Yeah, yeah. Calling, calling the, calling the first black president nigga. Yeah, that might not be a good thing. Like, what happens? To, what happens to people having common sense? I don't know what. I don't know how that. How you arrive at that? Not thinking that's going to be not going to be an issue. Matter of fact, I want to go to another call, Serge. But I want to tell you, tell you this one thing. I, I was uh, visiting my tailor a few days ago in a depressed area, local in Queens. Long time, uh, long time friend, and long time my tailor for a long time. So I, I'm approaching his his shop and I see a group of young black males in this this area of Queens they're walking across the street I'm looking at them and their pants are sagging but it, it, it's a sag that is way beyond like I, I don't, I'm not looking at black men for obvious reasons but especially I'm not looking at their bottoms Again, but not, I know what you mean. I've seen it too. I know when it's way but, below. But, but, I got, right. but I mean, it's to the point now that it's one thing to talk about the 1996 SAG that was a problem with Tupac. I'm seeing sagging where it appears that they're cinching their, their, their belts slightly above the knee. So the entirety of the... So I'm serious. So I'm looking at this and all I could think of was Larry Wilmore. That Larry Larry Wilmore. This is how this is how big this thing really is. Larry Larry Wilmore is supposed to be an educated black person. You have black folks that refuse. You you did tap into something. I and and, and Nemesis can attest to this because we he know me for a long time. Oh yeah. I've been ex- I, I I have accepted this nerdy thing. I've been this way for a long time. Comic books. We 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 done all this for a long time um and and the, my parents would not allow this certain people his parents would not allow they would not go for some of this stuff but when you see these when you see these young men they had to be i don't know they could be 20 to 30 for 20 to 35 i don't know but larry wilmore doing that and not accepting his bougie black behind like accept who you are accept who you are he's trying to covet both worlds I need to be down for some reason. I don't want to be down. I don't want to be down. But when he did this, he pretty much gave full authority and co-signed those young men to show their assholes to the world, literally. To see young men that have their, to see that much to see that kind of exposure in young men, and for a man at at the heights, the heights of government to be in that environment. It means you 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 brought Obama down to the bodega. You brought Obama to the bodega, to the bodega level, and you co-signed with these young men, showing their their butts to the universe. That's how big that really was. That's how big that really was. And I and I just look at these young men. I felt I had a, like a, a flash of violence. Of course, I'm not going to do anything. 
but it just makes you feel like, what what are you doing? Why? What is this? Why are you? What man wants to show his butt? Whatever. All right. Let me, let me go to another call. You can tell already. It, 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 it defies it defies comprehension. Four eight four. Welcome to the mid to the midweek. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? Full house. Hey guys. Hey guys. It's Q Storm. How you doing? How's it going, sir? Hey Q. Hello. How hey. you doing? Hey. What's up? Another hardworking hey, so- middle class bougie black person. Love it. Accept it, <laughs> my brother. Accept it. Well, I'll Star- say this. Star Wars. I, I know many uh, thugs. Many thugs love that. Love that Potiwan stuff, brother. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I um I watch uh the the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. I, I like the show, and I watch the Nightly Show uh, with Larry Wilmore and. It's I, I don't I've never met the man. I can only tell you from watching the show pretty regularly that it's clear to me, and maybe Sergio already said this. Is he he just so comes off as a guy who I don't know if this is his case or not, but only went to private school. Maybe had a little bit of wealth when he was growing up, and he he has this show, and it just seems like he's catering to people that he feels like he has to cater to so he can still be in, even though he is, what, probably in his late 40s. And it's really, and see, you call him a minstrel. I don't think the man's a minstrel at all. I think well, he he's, now. I, I think that <laughs> makes him pathetic. When you call the president, got my, my nigga, you're a oh, minstrel. Well, 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 go ahead. What I'm saying is, I don't think that makes him a minstrel. I think that makes him pathetic because he's not of the minstrel stock, but he asp- he's trying to be. He's trying to cater yeah. to that, which makes him pathetic. Uh, so I, I was really, I was amazed that he did that, but I don't know if you watch his show. I'm almost ready to turn off the show because the show is just full of, you, before the show even comes on, you kind of know where they're going to land on an issue. And they, they, they put some stuff out there that's not even really fact-checked. And, it's just, I've been I've been in uh, Twitter feuds with uh, one of the people on the show. Her name is um, Francesca Ramsey, I believe. And it's just this whole. I'm a liberal, but sometimes sometimes you know hashtag why liberals get a bad name, and that is what this show is all about. Him doing that was just him kowtowing to the mass black audience that goes. I probably shouldn't say that, but. You know the the mass audience that feels like oh I got to be down. That's what that is. So it's sad, is what it is. This nemesis, you mind if I weigh in on that? Go right ahead, sir. I I agree with him 100 percent, but it's part of the programming, Captain. You know where I'm going with this already. In order to keep people in a particular mindset. You gotta keep serving them that 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 dish of ignorance. Keep them there. Pander to their ignorance. Let them revel in it. And what he did was disgraceful, unthinkable. In my eyes, unthinkable. How you know? Come on, really? But uh, it, I'm not surprised. Can I can I pick that right? off of that real quick? Yeah, yeah. Well, I forgot. I forgot to mention uh, the a couple. I, I watched the show yesterday. I watch it on Hulu, so it's always one day behind. So I watched it yesterday, which would have been Monday's show. And he showed uh, he showed a clip 
for oh he he showed um a clip from uh Obama's speech at Howard where Obama uh name dropped Larry Wilmore so he showed the clip at the end of the clip he was like oh thank god that's what he said he didn't say that other thing that came up during the the White House correspondence dinner <laughs> thank god so i don't know if he was making a joke out of that but it's like come on man now you're joking about what you said as though you know as though it's cool for you to joke about it because you're in with the crowd. Come on, get the F O H. He's trying to provide cover. That's all he's doing. He's trying to provide cover. It's yeah. It's 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 kind of sad. All right, gentlemen, let's go to. Well, I'm, I'm hearing feedback. What the hell? Not for me. <laughs> my my speaker is on on mute. So. All right. Uh all right, let's go it's to a quick man group, again. folks. I think the government is on us. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is... It looked like you got two lines open, Afrinus. Yeah, well... Man, I sound good, though. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. I didn't know you can reach your hand far, that far back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's go to another groove quickly, and I'll try to figure this out. This is Scott Diddy, Angela Moore, Slightly Stupid. Right back. Funky lady, don't leave me on the floor 
Gentlemen, can you hear me? Hello? I hear you. Yes, yes. Okay, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. All right. Yes, we do. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, something happened with the mics. Uh, again, that was a stupid song. <laughs> it's called Stupid Song by Angelo, Angelo Moore. I'm out of it right now, folks. Again, this is the Midweek in Review. Uh, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. All right, let's move things along a little bit, uh, and apologies for the the, the mistakes with the uh, technical difficulties. Anyway, um, another story dealing with, quote-unquote, blackness. And this one, I think, is really just another case of kind of over, what's overbearing. We have a West Point graduates, female cadets, that took several pictures. And one picture showed them raising the, the solidarity power fist. And all hell broke loose. Now, let's go to Nemesis on this one, because you work for a, a paramilitary organization. Uh, just what is that? I, mean, you know, I know there's protocol, but do you think that they, they went to well, – obviously this was dismissed at some point. But a group of women putting up the power fist – where throughout history, the power fist is normally it's been used for a whole lot of different movements, but it, it predominantly means solidarity. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, like black radicalism. But what 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 do you take of that with the uh, well, military class weighing the, in? Not knowing much about the, the particulars of the circumstance, I could say it would be considered conduct unbecoming. Um, I don't know if they were in uniform or they were in a place that represented the organization that they were part of, um, but we'll speak primarily in the police department. If you're in uniform, even if you're off-duty but you're still in uniform or you're using some type of, of, of uh, objects that signify the police department, whatever police department it is, in, in, in whatever social media or, or pictures that you have that kind of weigh in, in, with some type of negative overtone or or cavalier overtone, you know, like drinking or whatever, it's it's considered conduct unbecoming. And again, I don't know the circumstances around in this situation that you're talking about in particular, but had they had these elements present, then it, it would become um, a disciplinary issue because they know better. Um, just like a police officer knows better than to. Uh, conduct themselves in, in a particular manner on and off duty because they represent the police department. Um, technically, you're not even supposed to be intoxicated because you're a law enforcement person 24-7. You may not be on duty, but you are still that person, just as these people are in the military or, or organizations such as the military. They represent this, this branch of service or entity, and what they do whether in their social life or even in their professional life, affects uh, the image of that entity that they, they are a part of. Uh, was that clear enough? I know I kind of have a, a sense to ramble at times. No, no, no. Actually, I, I, that was pretty clear. Um, mm -hmm. let's, go, let's go around the horn a little bit. Uh, Cap, what are your thoughts about this issue? I mean, it, it turned out that it was investigated at some point. Because, you know, it made me do some research on, on the raised fist. And the first thing that comes up is it's meant to be 
kind of an innocuous sign of solidarity. So it can be interpreted that these these young women did this as like being you know black women graduating as cadets from West Point, and it it, it initially does not necessarily have to convey some kind of uh, Black Lives Matter thing. Like someone saw this on Facebook and said that this is a Black Lives Matter salute when, you know, it's been done throughout history from different groups, meaning different things. But I think that Nemesis has a point, but it just seems as if they put that Black Lives Matter thing on them when it probably didn't even mean that. Uh, And it was investigated. But what what are your thoughts about what's going on here, how this was, you know, we quickly go into yet another racial thing, a racial symbolism thing, with quote unquote black radicalism not really, not really being allowed or being misperceived, I should say. Who says it's being misperceived? We don't know what they were doing. You're making an assumption based on what they were doing. One, they were in uniform, and from the, the perspective of the powers that be, I agree with Nemesis totally. The perspective of the powers that be, this links up with the Olympics. We don't, we don't have to talk about that. This links up also with Beyonce. That's from their perspective. <laughs> Tell you the truth. But Beyonce wasn't in uniform. She's just doing Beyonce. When you're in uniform, and I totally agree with Nemesis, totally, because I've been told this before by other people, other forms of law enforcement, you have to conduct yourself in a certain manner. That's it. You know? That's it. Plain and simple. Going around the horn again, let's go to Serge. Serge, did you hear about this? And what were your initial thoughts about it? Yes, me? Yeah. Um, You know, to be perfectly honest with you, when I saw the picture like a few weeks ago, and I was so proud of the picture, I put it up on my Facebook page. I didn't even notice that some of the women were raising their fists in the air. And if I had noticed it, it probably wouldn't have registered with me. I saw it as a sign of solidarity. When I heard the controversy about people saying, that, oh, this is they're supporting Black Lives Matter, the first thing that came to my head is, like, white people are the scaredest people on the planet. Anything they think that somehow wreaks a black radicalism or black power and they freak out, you know, I mean, these are the same people whose biggest fear is that when they come home one night, they'll find their wives and daughters in bed with black guys, you know. <laughs> you know, what is this? It's, I mean, I, just, I think it was much ado about nothing at all, nothing at all. And that shows you there's a real difference, there's a real cultural difference between us and white people. What we see as normal or not a matter of fact, they blow it way out of proportion. Just like you played earlier the guy, well, what's his name, you know, criticizing what Obama said at Howard University. Now, of course, he's playing to his audience, which are basically the Fox audience, which is basically people 60, you know, the average age of a Fox viewer is 69 years old. 69 years old, the average age, which means their audience is dying. Right? And he lived in fear, you know. So Desi was playing too, but anything they get scared, they get scared, they get terrified, scared. Oh my God, they're taking over. Oh my God, what are we going to do? Give me a break. Is that after in that bedroom again? Carry on. Anyway. 
Now he okay. didn't even sound like you. I'm like, ones. who the heck is that? You got a heckler He's on one of the here. good ones. <laughs> he's, anyway. he's educated. <laughs> 484, Q-Storm, your thoughts? Well, I, this may be a naive question, but uh, my question is, is showing solidarity as black people, is that a political statement? What? I mean, that's the question I have. Now, If I can see if Hillary Clinton was standing in the photos, I don't know, something that clearly speaks to a political statement. It's it, black people showing solidarity. Let's say they had the fists fully raised. Is that a political statement? What's political? Was the Black Panther Party back in the 60s? I'm trying to think what... What is a political statement? And to me, I know you guys talked about it earlier, and Obama and the statements he made to Harvard. It just it infuriates me when I hear people criticize when black people speak to black people about empowerment, and you hear conservatives talk about, well, we want you should raise yourself up from your bootstraps. You should follow by example or, or follow, uh, have role models and follow, lead by example so that people can follow. And when people do that, they criticize and complain. So I, I have people on my Facebook page talking about, oh, uh, these girls are disgraceful. They, uh, black people need to uh, stop whining and, and do it for themselves. I'm like, what do you think? They're, they're, West, they're, they're West Point graduates. F-O-H. So, so that's my thing. Is it a political statement just to show solidarity as black people? Well, you know, one thing about this show, and you've noticed it, I have a tendency to kind of go into nuance mode. And um, I, I do have an issue with some of this because it seems like we're a bit late on the Power Fist deal. Like the Power Fist was, had more resonance when black folks were actually catching hell. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's I don't know if this, is, if, this isn't, if this is not a media contrived kind of situation. You know, now we're kind of reacting at every moment, any time something racial goes down, it gets clicks, it's clickbait. I, I, mean, I, I don't quite know what it is. I mean, when I first, I'm like Sergio. It was kind of such an innocuous photograph. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't register with me right away because it's not like uh, the Olympics in the 60s, and, it's, and we're not talking about uh, Stokely Carmichael. I mean, we're not living in those, under those, I mean, some would liken to, you know, Black Lives Matter would liken themselves to uh, 1965, but it, it, it just falls flat. We have PlayStation now. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm being somewhat facetious, but, you know, the, we, we have moved forward. We do have a black man. We have a, a black woman as attorney general. Uh, you have black governors. I mean, it, you know, it's, we're, we're at, you know we, we have to sometimes take an, take an accounting of some of the accomplishments, and we seem not to want to do that. So there is this kind of play, this kind of script that all the all the respective ethnicities play uh, as if things were 19, 1950, 1960. So uh, there's an element of that, that that plays a role in this, I think. Um, I think this, this was too much of a telegraphing move. I think someone saw this on Facebook, they saw black girls, and they wanted to start something. Because other than that, I don't know how many people are actually looking at it that closely. You know, I mean, one yeah, thing. I agree. Easily, you know, I mean, it I could agree. be it could be a solidarity. It could be solidarity for for these 
women graduating at West Point for that moment in time. I mean, that's the way I would look at it. I wouldn't necessarily make the leap that these women, who who are military women now, I mean, there's a, there is a certain, I mean, you are there. Why would they be at West Point of all places and then try to be militant within within that setting? But I mean, that's the last place you'd really want to, quote, unquote, be militant at West Point. So I'm led to believe this is something maybe more internal to their solidarity for having graduated from the elite military academy. I mean, that's, that's kind of what's, what would be in my head. But somebody else looking at color said, oh, this is Black Lives Matter. This is Beyonce. This, this, is, <laughs> this, is, the kind of weird, this is the kind of weird thing we're going through now. That nothing is, is you know, things can easily be misconstrued. I don't necessarily think that they are in, are in alignment with Black Lives Matter being military women. I don't know. I don't know if that really matches. But, but you I, know, I that's what that issue. Go ahead, Serge. No, uh, but but you know, you made a point. The point being that what does the race fits mean nowadays? You know, I was a kid, I was, but I was around during the 1960s. I remember the real Black Panthers. I remember the riots. I remember the assassinations. I remember all that. I was there, you know. And now when everybody tries to copy that, you know, Beyonce is not a Black Panther. I don't care how much she dresses up like one. You know, uh, Lemonade is not a radical political statement, no matter how many people try to write it as one. Thank God for Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks wrote a piece where she really broke it down. You know, and definitely she's not in the group of uh, Melissa Harris Perry, who think this, this was the greatest thing ever. Um, you know, I was there during the real time, so I remember that period. I remember what went on, and I remember... <sighs> the chaos that went on. So when people today try to recreate it, it's phony. It has exactly. no meaning. Serge, we have another call. Let's open up the lines once again. Uh, somewhat unknown caller. Uh, the we can review. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? Yeah, my name's Joe. I wanted to talk about the transgender law. You guys talked about that? Uh, we can go into it. That was the next, the next topic. Um, actually, you know what? Hold on one sec. We, let's go to let's go to a quick okay. clip about a quick clip about the transgender law, and uh, we'll unpack because that's pretty that's pretty interesting as well. So hold on one sec. We're gonna bring it right back. I want to play this clip first, and then we'll get into it. Uh, as the gentleman stated, his wishes, my command. Uh, if I can find that clip, live. Radio folks. Uh, now why can't I find this clip? I believe this is the Young Turks unpacking on this. All right. Young Turks on the, the North Carolina trans law, and then we'll get back to the caller. Hold on. North Carolina has been sued for its anti-LGBT law that was recently passed during a special session and signed by the governor. Now, three individuals and two LGBT organizations have uh, decided to sue, and early Monday morning they filed a lawsuit in federal court challenging the recently passed North Carolina law that nullified local LGBT rights 
ordinances by singling out LGBT people for disfavored treatment and explicitly writing discrimination against transgender people into state law, HB2 violates the most basic guarantees of equal treatment and the U.S. Constitution. So that's what uh, the lawsuit says. I think that this lawsuit makes all the sense in the world. And for those uh, who might have missed our initial report on this story, essentially what happened is Charlotte had decided to pass certain protections for transgender individuals living in that municipality. They wanted to ensure that people could use the restrooms that they identified with. Mm -hmm. But state lawmakers got involved and decided, no, 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 no. We want to call a special session, spend $42,000 a day to make sure that Charlotte cannot do that, to make sure that they can't offer protections for groups that have not been specified in state law. Yeah. So that's exactly what this is about. We'll see how the lawsuit goes, but I think that they have a pretty good case. Yeah. It's pretty ironic, by the way, that the way that they're trying to fight back is to say you can't protect anyone who's not already protected when many of those same Republicans hate that those groups are protected. Like they're using a law that they would love to overturn in a lot of cases to stop new people being, from being protected. And I mean, at the time you talked about how this is like the most anti-trans law that's passed, the level of fear of people that you're never, if, this, if, if Charlotte's law became nationwide, you're probably never going to even know that you shared a bathroom with someone that was trans. It will never affect your life. So I never, I never really thought about this, um, or at least thought about it in this context. But let's say you're dealing with a trans woman, right? Mm -hmm. uh, who, or yes, or, or a trans man, I should say. So someone who was born a woman but now identifies as a man and looks like a man, okay? So that person now has to use the restroom uh, based on what's on the certificate, birth certificate. Biological. Right. So yeah. if I'm a woman in a woman's bathroom and then all of a sudden someone comes in and this person appears to be a man, wouldn't that make people feel uncomfortable? Or I mean, it wouldn't make me feel that uncomfortable, to be honest with you, but wouldn't that like pose some concerns for some people? Yeah. Like, It's really interesting how they've decided that what you've been born as is more important than what you identify as. All right, you get the gist, folks. Again, this is the Midweek Review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk. And as the caller stated, I figured we would segue into this for a moment, so time is limited. Uh, I, I don't know what to think about this. I and mean, This is like new territory, Cap. Um, uh -huh. I'm going to open up to the caller. What are your thoughts about this? This has been in the news quite a bit now. We're talking about North Carolina's law. To, to essentially ban transgender individuals from, these, from, these, from their bathrooms. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, this is, this is new. Okay, I think it's a big, uh, uh, much ado about nothing. It's a bunch of crap. It's all sensationalism by National Enquirer minds. If, how are you going to tell if any type of transgender is going to go into that particular bathroom? If a guy's transgendered over to be a female, he's going to go into the female bathroom. Now, unless he's got an Adam's apple the size of, uh, of a stadium, or unless he opens up his mouth, or unless he's really, really masculine, nobody's going to care. He's going to go into the stall. Um, he's going to do his thing and leave. Now, if somebody's transgendered from female to male, and now the guy goes into the male's bathroom... Nobody's going to notice. But this sensationalism is, again, one example of, I think, the government trying to make a big deal out of nothing. 
nothing could have come from this if people just left it alone. Yeah, you know, I, I have to agree with you on this because now that you now that you have me thinking, um, listen, Renee Richards mm-hmm. was a transgender person what forty years ago, fifty years yeah, ago. Yeah, she was a tennis player. Yeah. You know, so I mean, what does she do? I mean, this, why, why are we just talking about this now as if transgender people have just been around like since like two thousand fourteen? Some, of the, some of the topics that we're, we're we're getting into seem to be mm-hmm. it seem to be really regressing. Somehow, it's the government. The government wants control. The government isn't providing this for protection of the people or to make people feel less uncomfortable. It's all about control through incremental measures. Because I'm a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> well, you know what, uh, Cap? What are your thoughts about what this gentleman is talking about? I've, I've never really thought about this. I never thought that this was at issue. Now, all of a sudden, we're being told that it, it is an issue. Well, I well I wholeheartedly agree with him. You know, I wholeheartedly agree with him. Simply put, when you're going into the bathroom, you're not really paying attention like that. To tell you the truth, you go and you do your business, then you leave. That's it. <laughs> you know, that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. You know. Yeah, because you know, like, mm-hmm. well, it's not like you're hanging about, out I mean, there what, for an hour. Well, <laughs> and they're bringing up the well, old bugaboo about about molestation, pedophilia. Okay, right. So, let's say any one of these is a legitimate pedophilia uh, perpetrator, um, a female, male, and they go into the bathroom where the kids are. Are you going to tell me that the kids are in the bathroom without their parents outside? And now the pedophilia uh, perpetrators, they're so um, compelled to commit pedophilia, they're going to, <laughs> they're going to molest the kids, and they're not going to have the parents alerted or the security within the mall that the bathrooms are in. I wish somebody would wake up and grow some brains. Well, you know, something else, too, and no one wants to talk about this, but uh, as far as the numbers on these kind of things, I think technically the perps have often been one would describe as being straight. Like the, 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 the father or the family man that has this predilection, predilection might be the person that actually commits yeah. these acts. Uh, Jared uh, Fogle of subway fame you know he was with little girls but or young girls but he was the quintessential you know regular dude mm-hmm. and he had this secret thing going on so i mean you have to look out for that guy as opposed to uh caitlin jenner i think i mean yeah. that's, i think it's how it really works yeah, it's, to me, again, I don't like any type of government interference because every time the government sticks its stupid fingers into every pie, the pie turns sour. And I think it's done by design. Because I always tell people, how many times does the Titanic have to sink in front of you before you start to realize there's sabotage going on? You know what, Cap? I think this has been the consensus of this show, <laughs> this control notion. I think he's on to something. Hold on for a moment, sir. Uh, let's go to Let's go back to our... Our stalwart supporters, Serge. Any thoughts on this thing? I mean, I'm kind of with the gentleman. Um, I absolutely agree with him. I, it, was this a big deal before? How come nobody really spoke about this before? Now is an issue. It's all distraction. It's all distraction to keep the public on their minds on something else when the really important stuff that they really should pay attention to is going on. It's easy to use this case this situation 
to distract people, which is all what it is. You know, and it, besides, I'm quite sure perhaps in the past I've been in a washroom with some transgender person and didn't know it. Everybody has at some time or another. <laughs> Did anything happen? No. Now is an issue? Yeah, this is a joke. Let's go to Q Storm. I'm pretty sure you might have a thoughts on this. You have young children. What are your thoughts about this this thing? Well, I just want to say I, I agree with the caller as well. Uh, the only thing I would say is I wouldn't paint government with such a a wide swath. I mean, we're talking about local government here, and the federal government is trying to countermand the, the foolishness, I believe. But the thing that's funny is that, like I think you said it, Debert, it's the straight people you got to watch out for, quote-unquote straight people, non-transgender, because outside of Jared, who who recently was the – was just shown to be a huge child molester. Africa that would Bambata. be the speaker of your house. That's right. Our okay. our own Illinois, our own Illinois, Dennis Hastert, who was the speaker of the house, the second person, only two people away from the presidency, because after the president, vice president, the speaker of the house, and he was one of the biggest child molesters around. And, and Trevor Noah said it best just this morning. He said... Uh, Listen, if you are in the bathroom and you can determine that someone's transgender, you went in there for the wrong reasons. <laughs> that might be it, too, because, you know, who's really paying that much close attention to anything in the bathroom? You, know, you just want to exactly. do your business and get the hell out of there. But, uh, again, uh, I'm thinking of, you, know, you went political, I went entertainment. You know, this whole thing with Africa Bambata, the, you know, one of the, uh, the founders of hip-hop, I'm hearing some grotesque stories that this this person was potentially dealing with young men globally, and, and you know just global child molestation. So I mean he's been disavowed by the Zulu Nation, and again you know outwardly these people appear to be straight regular dudes, and not like some some cross dressing or cro- transgender person. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if we've even seen that. I mean, heck, even uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was—he was—I believe he was a gay male, but he had this cannibalism thing going on. But outwardly, he looked to be like just a dude. He wasn't some transgender, uh, outwardly transgender type person. It's the person that that you're not looking at. You know, not, not the obvious person that's actually committing many of these these heinous acts. I believe we don't see we we seem not to be able to have that discussion though. Um, I, again, I, I don't I don't have a dog in this race. I don't know what to think about th- th- this particular issue. I thought it was it was out there lingering, and I wanted to talk about it and kind of pass it around and figure out what's going on. But um, I just think again, these things are going to ha- they go, the, the chips are going to fall the way that they are. And I'm hearing some of the discourse about transgender people and, 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 you know, I can tell you what I really think about it, but at the end of the day, it's not my life. It's another person's life, and they're going to have to deal with that. Um, I, would, I would gather it's – I will say this, and I think I might have mentioned this on air. I will say this that I think is somewhat offensive, and I can only think about this uh, from a woman's perspective that I'm seeing women by lot not to use the term now, see I have to think about this stuff now. I'm seeing biological women who are being very uh 
open with transgender women, like bringing bringing them in to their into their sphere as if they went through the same biological uh, initiatives that they went through. Like in other words, uh, you know, a transgender woman like Caitlyn Jenner, I don't know how she could speak about women's issues when she's only been a woman for what a year, two years. I'm saying women in quotes. And you didn't go through menses, you didn't go through menopause, you didn't really go through just discrimination, and yet now you're going to be the spokesperson for that. That I find offensive, but you're seeing, because maybe because of what the gentleman said, you're seeing this, this initiative where we're not using common sense. I think transgender should be its separate thing unto itself, but I'm seeing many women who are saying, you know, come on in, girl, <laughs> in quotes, come on in, you can speak for us. I, I don't know, I don't know if that's, uh, I'm a little weary about that. Now, matter of fact, you spoke about bell hooks, educator bell hooks, uh, I see uh, Sergio dropped off. Bell hooks had Janet Mock on the stage one time. Janet Mock is a transgender woman. And, Everyone brings them brings brings them in on women's issues. Uh, as a as a male, I, I look at it like, well, what's up with that, Chap? What do you? Am I on to something on that? That's the only thing I I I feel a little weird about. That they're by, aren't they bypassing all of that, all those those legitimate concerns of women womanhood. I agree with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's for those women to decide. Because they come and they talk about women issues. They're not my issues. At the end of the day, that's for them to decide. But I do agree with you, and I see what you're saying. That's for them to decide, you know? Is that, but is that any different than the Rachel Dolezals of the world that, want, that are C, uh, chairman of NAACP chapters? You know, I saw Rachel Dolezal's feet. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and she looked kind of good tanned. I mean, I'm being somewhat facetious. But let, you know something? Uh, I think there's a, listen, I said this before. I didn't really have any issues with racial dollars all. Um, if we're going to accept that a person can be transgender, you may have to accept that they're going to be transracial. Somehow folks felt like, oh, no, 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 that's impossible. But wait a minute. We know race really does not have a biological initiative like that. That race is a social political construct. So if that's the case, if that is the case, why are we so why are we able to eschew the notion that someone could be transracial, but we're fully accepting so that someone can cut their loaf off? I'm just saying. <laughs> well, no, I, I just brought that up to say, and that they're not yeah. insane, and that they're not insane. I don't. I, I'm not saying they are or not. I just know that that that's a commitment to cut off your manhood, and yet the woman who wants to put on a black weave and tan her skin, she's crazy. Well, I, I just brought that that up to say the same way women can bring in transgender women to speak for them. Some black folks seem like they don't have a problem for white people speaking for them. Well, that, that's. Mm, I, I don't think that's an issue. What, 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 what are you trying to say on that? I mean, if that person's not well, saying I'm saying people of different they're, they're, people. They're that, they're, they're, well, they're not saying people, they're black. 
No, no, I'm just saying I, I'm not agreeing with it necessarily, but I'm saying there are cases where people of other classes have spoken for a particular group, even though they're not necessarily of that group or are newcomers to that group, if you will. Yeah, but I think this, we, right now we're talking about the biological as opposed to the political. It's one thing to have people align with you for political reasons. It's another thing for someone to talk about uh, about your biological initiatives. Like, you know, in other words, I, I think that, that there's a difference with, with a woman who can really talk about, with women being able to talk about um, their experiences and their biological initiatives versus someone who has now been given those, in theory, given those same uh, rights medically and in a governmental sense. I won't debate you. I, I, I don't know where I fall on that. You know, I just thought it was an interesting uh, comparison. Debate. But, yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, we got about two minutes remaining, so I think we should go to a groove, uh, a, a parting shot. Uh, Q, as always, appreciate the support. Saturday, we'll probably dig in deep with some spoilers. I think it's been a week, folks, so you, you can, you know, knock it off. If you haven't seen Civil War, then do so before Saturday's show. We're going to go into I've that. I've seen it three times and, already. Come on. What are you waiting for? Three times I've exactly. seen it. Exactly. Uh, Team Marvel. No, I'm just joking. I'm not. I just thought that Marvel just, did, just provided a better product this time. I wanted I wanted DC to give us a better product. I think the Flash will just have to suffice. Anyway, folks, it's been a, an absolute absolute bang bang up job with doing this show. Never get tired of doing it. Going out in this groove. This is Soul Live again. Bridge to Bama. See you on Saturday, 6 p.m. It's been real. Here I am.
they don't break to keep it moving like when I travel the land and people other people do it how other people go through it now bridging the gap like the black eyed peas the love I'm giving it back to see your phrase up I'm living for that to keep trying means you keep failing but if you don't keep trying to means you keep dying what the hell we gonna die anyway keep the soul out but you here is what I'm trying to say uh bridge to Bama Come on. bring your wife bring your brother bring your kids your mama your uh. mama Down line, down line, down line. 